It's 5 p.m. Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed. In today's top stories, the Department of Health kicked off its second annual Health Disparities Leadership Conference yesterday on the island of St. Thomas. The Hebrew Congregation of St. Thomas celebrates the installation of Rabbi Julia Margolis. We speak with representatives from the Department of Planning and Natural Resources about a grant they received from the EPA. These stories and more on today's WTJX Newsfeed. From the Virgin Islands Public Broadcasting System Studios on St. Thomas, this is the WTJX Newsfeed with Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed, bringing you the latest news and updates throughout our community. Yesterday, the Department of Health kicked off its second annual Health Disparities Leadership Conference. The conference was designed to provide policy and decision makers with a framework for including equity in all policy. It's being held November 6th through the 8th at the Marriott Frenchman's Reef Resort on St. Thomas and is hosted by the department's Health Disparities Program. Department of Health Commissioner Justa Incanacion greeted guests from across the territory and the mainland. The goal over the next three days is not simply to honor a very special person in our personal and public health lives, Dr. Donna Christensen, Dr. C, as we affectionately call her. It is also to hear from our stakeholders, from you, and to begin to define health equity as Virgin Islanders. Senate President Novo Francis shared remarks during the opening ceremonies. Many of us in this room, the policymakers, sit in positions of privilege. This privilege insulates us from the impact of many of the health disparities that we'll be discussing here today at this conference of these next three days. Sometimes our privilege, and sadly our bias, can lead us to minimize the existence of social, economic, and other barriers that contribute to the existence of health disparity in our community. As a legislature, we have to be carefully examine our own hidden bias as we work to craft policies and take actions that best serve the needs of this community. Health equity for all policy is something that we should aspire to as legislators. Governor Albert Bryan said the conference was another push to bettering the health of Virgin Islanders. He remarked on how disparities affect residents in the territory. You know, I, I looked up a couple of years ago, what is the meaning of middle class uh, versus poverty? And I found a definition and it said that poverty and middle class are more positions socially than economically. And it, it went on to say that the way a middle class person thinks is not the way that somebody in the poverty class thinks. Middle class people believe in education, look for, have savings, believe in investing, see a future and, and plan. When you, poverty class does not do that. So when we talk about disparities, I always tell people it's so, it's, it's so remarkable that in a, on an island in the middle of the Caribbean Sea, all of our markers, our statistics match urban city African Americans. Now how is that, right? So it has to be institutionalized for them to be getting the same results using this cookie cutter approach everywhere. So, when we look at what we're doing, I think it all fits together, and I, you know, it's funny that we talk about funding. 
All these things overlap. Poverty is a reason for almost every problem we have in the Virgin Islands, believe it or not. And when you, when you see what's happening in the community, you, you understand that these disparities are also a, supremely a mental state. Why I say that? There is nothing that's going to happen that's going to automatically catapult you from where you are to a state of economic security, except a very rich husband or wife. But knowing that, we have to, this is the reason why the administration is powering free education, creating value in individuals, or our best life and all of our promotions around health and healthy living, telemedicine, all things that promote access and accessibility and opportunity. The Virgin Islands District Court Judge Robert Malloy has set a court date of December 8th for Stephanie Barnes, the former Casino Control Commission contractor convicted in December 2021 of conspiracy to commit theft from programs receiving federal funds. Judge Malloy ordered that going forward, Barnes would represent herself after firing her sixth attorney. Before officially withdrawing, court-appointed counsel Miguel Oppenheimer filed an appeal during an August 25th hearing seeking to delay sentencing based on new provisions going into effect November 1st. While appearing on the WTJX TV series Comes with the Territory, attorney Key Walker of the Walker Legal Group provided comments on the matter. Well, you know, honestly, I, I believe that Ms. Barnes is in a good position. Uh, one of the reasons for the last delay of her sentencing was an amendment to the U.S. Sentencing Guidelines, which more than likely will benefit her. Um, the judge's decision to not appoint yet another attorney to represent her is an unusual one, but there's precedent for it, and there's precedent for it in the Third Circuit. But honestly, I think the judge has exercised great judicial temperament with her. I think all of his, his positions, his opinions, his orders with regards to what we're referring to as her shenanigans have been balanced and thorough, even when she's attacked him personally. And I think the last decision that was made to say, listen, I can't appoint another counsel to you, was, was made after he had warned her on several occasions that if you're not going to cooperate with your attorney, I can't keep appointing new counsel. The Hebrew Congregation of St. Thomas celebrated a milestone last Friday evening with the installation of Rabbi Julia Margolis the first woman rabbi to lead the historic synagogue in its history. We spoke with Rabbi Margolis on what it means to her. It's so as a very big honor, and I'm really, really humbled, and I'm, I'm so that um, it's just something that not every rabbi has an experience of to be leading services, the most beautiful synagogue, and also to be the first female rabbi on um, this island and and for this synagogue, but it's not one of my firsts. I was first female rabbi um, in South Africa. I established my community there too. So I think I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting used to be the first in some um, certain areas. But um, I have really 
warm and very supportive board. And the president of my board, she's a woman, and she was the first president that was elected on the board. And um, she she's doing an amazing job. Therefore, I think this community is um, um, very formalizing itself with women leaders. As she moves into this new position, Rabbi Margolis shared a message to the community. Every woman, every man, every human being is worth of pursuing their dreams. And nothing should stop them. And I want that the young generations of women will come, may it be to their leaders at church, may it be to me at the synagogue, their parents, their elders, and ask questions, because asking questions is very, very important. Still, in our age, with all the technology, um, the wisdom is and knowledge. This is what I think the key to any new successful endeavor. And I believe that um, a good doctor, a good lawyer, a good teacher, a good um, rabbi is something that should be pursued by young generation, maybe men or women. And um, also, it's the beauty of this island is that people live together side by side and feel like one very big family. And this is really something, and I think as an outsider, I can even appreciate it sometimes a little bit more than those that live there um, forever and ever because they're used to this. And you, you get used very quickly to all the good things. But this feeling of the community and one with another, it's absolutely priceless. And I think with all the support then every dream can be achieved. You're in the WTJX News Feed. To combat restaurant-related pollution, the Environmental Protection Agency granted the U.S. Virgin Islands nearly $700,000. The money helps to expand the VI Clean Coast programs, which focuses on significantly reducing single-use food plastics. We spoke with Kitty Edwards, Director of Territorial Parks and Protected Areas, and how the Clean Coast program can benefit local business. Doing Clean Coasts, uh, Commissioner Oriol and I started actually when he was the director of Coastal Zone Management, and I was the education and outreach coordinator of Coastal Zone Management. And we wanted to give an opportunity to help businesses and organizations be more eco-friendly. Um, and we wanted to initially get rid of expanded polystyrene, uh, also known as styrofoam, and offer a support to businesses in their, I always called it their eco-journey. Um, we did seed grants for businesses so that we could help them start projects. Uh, for instance, we had a business who wanted a dishwasher so that they could switch from using single-use plastic cups to using reusable glasses. We had a campground who purchased a water filtration unit so that all of their visitors could use uh, fresh water with uh, refillable glasses. And in the last six years, we'll say, uh, the program has expanded to include four initiatives. 
starting with the eco certification, um, which this grant with EPA is focused on. Ms. Edwards shared how businesses can become a part of the program. We have a wonderful partnership with the Virgin Islands Conservation Society, a local nonprofit. They have been working in the territory for over 50 years. Um, and I've been saying that for as long as I've known them. So it's got to be close to 60 now. Um, and they reach out to businesses. Uh, businesses will also hear about the program and call us. We have been very lucky to expand considerably in the past few years, and VIX has actually hired a program coordinator who goes and talks to businesses, helps them decide what they want their project to be, and manages those seed grants for us. It's been really fun to see the growth. Ms. Edwards continued, any business can go ahead and register to be a part of VI Clean Coast because it's a continuation of this program. Uh, however, when the new grant comes in, we will be expanding to new education opportunities, new grants available for businesses, and the team has been already building a lot of the relationships necessary for the new grant. Commissioner Jean-Pierre Oriol stressed that businesses should not be worried about the cost to move away from polystyrene products. We've had informal conversations over the years with small businesses and just trying to um, just trying to curb their thought process on the alternative products. And um, one of the things that happens is that there is a there is a, a misconception really that these alternative products or recycled products, those types of things, that they're significantly more expensive than the polystyrene products. And the truth is they're not. Like, you know, we've done a lot of the numbers, looked at different vendors, been able to share that. We share it through VIX. Um, but, you know, so there is a part of this that's going to be the education campaign and in just letting people know that, these alternative products, they are not, uh, they don't break the bank, number one. That's why, you know, number two, we're willing to put in the seed money. We inquired whether there would be a push to ban styrofoam products in the territory. Absolutely. That has been a goal of DPNR for many years. Um, legislation is is hard. A lot of work goes on behind the scenes. You need to have people interested at the right time. But one of the first things that DPNR did when we started the VI Clean Coasts program is Commissioner or well, then director, um, when JP was at CZM, reached out to our commissioner at the time and said, DPNR can't use styrofoam anymore. We have to be an example. Uh, and that was able to inspire action also with the Department of Property and Procurement, who later stopped carrying styrofoam in their central stores. And so by being an example, we hope to make it an easier transition for the rest of the territory. In more news, Governor Albert Bryan declared November as Military's Family Month in the U.S. Virgin Islands, to recognize those who have served and are serving in the armed forces. He also proclaimed the month of November as Virgin Islands Indigenous Native American Heritage Month, an occasion for Virgin Islanders to commemorate their patriotic ties to the original people of the Caribbean. 
As we move through the newsfeed, a new class of sailing legends was inducted into the National Sailing Hall of Fame yesterday. Joining that class was St. Thomas native Peter Holmberg, the only Olympic medalist representing the U.S. Virgin Islands. The fact that a kid from a little island can be here today that didn't go to high school and that was walking down the wrong road is because of our sport of sailing. So my life is uh, thank you to sailing. I'm here standing in front of all of you. And the first one I must thank is my U.S. Virgin Islands. Those of you on the West Coast, you might not know, but you have some islands on the East Coast. <laughs> and they're U.S. And that's where I'm from, born and raised there. And it is that island, that island tough mentality, that village around me, that is the reason I am here too. So I must first start and thank my Virgin Islands. Next is my family. I have parents that were very brave. They went there when there was dirt roads and donkeys, and they stayed, and they fell in love with sailing, and they let my brother and I go out and play in boats. And there it is. That's how it all got started. So I'm so grateful for my parents. The chapters, the way I look at it, and it starts with the Olympics. Um, growing up, that was my dream. And for those of you who don't know or haven't tasted it, the Olympic teaches you a code. And that code is with you for life, and it applies to everything in life. And I'm so grateful for my Olympic campaigns that I did that taught me how to do this and uh, the people that helped me do that. Next comes the America's Cup. And uh, for me, growing up down there, it wasn't a big thing for me. But well, a hurricane, a carnival, rum, and national pride is a dangerous thing. And uh, we came up with this idea of we're going to challenge for the America's Cup from our little island of uh, 50,000 people, 100,000 in the whole Virgin Islands. And uh, it was the hardest project I ever did. And it was the most wonderful project I ever failed at. We, we didn't make it, but it taught me so much. It brought our island together. I'm so, so proud of it and all of those that believed and helped me in doing it. In closing, I just have to say sailing has given me the most beautiful life I could have dreamed of. I'm really, really grateful. Sailing is a great sport and this is our tribe and it's everything and I have to thank the Hall of Fame Selection Committee. I am truly honored and touched that you guys felt I was worthy. Thank you. You're in the WTJX News Feed. The Virgin Islands Game Fishing Club's annual Wahoo Wind-Up Tournament was held over the weekend on St. Thomas. Kelvin Bailey, president of the club and the tournament director, has the details. It's a uh, locally based tournament that we have annual every year, and it, it includes boats this year from St. Thomas, St. John, and St. Croix. Uh, it's something that we put on by the Virgin Islands Game Fishing Club, and it's to promote conservation and preservations of the species, the wahoo fish. We discourage any catching of any wahoo under uh, 10 pounds to promote the species and allow them to get bigger and breed. So anything under 10 pounds does not count for the tournament. Uh, this year, we had a total of 14 boats join the tournament, and all the weigh-in was done here on St. Thomas. In the end, St. Thomas's Jared Buckstein caught the largest wahoo at 26.5 pounds from aboard the 32-foot regulator, the Dude Abides. We asked Mr. Bailey what the grand prize was for the tournament. The big prize is if you catch a wahoo over 75 pounds, uh, you get $25,000. Uh, Jared's fish was about 48 pounds or so, just shy of the, the big boy. We asked Mr. Bailey about any upcoming tournaments in the community. We do a couple tournaments every year, but our big one for the community and get the youths, their parents involved. We will do a kids tournament 
every October-ish, based on weather, where it's open for the kids. We provide everything for them, the backpacks, the handline, the bait, and it's just for the kids to come out and have a great time. For more information about the club and its events, call 340-775-9144 or visit bigfc.com. The Division of Personnel, the GESC Health Insurance Board, and Cigna is informing participants from its 2023 Virtual Annual Health and Wellness Expo that they will be receiving a bag of fresh local produce from local farmers. Distribution will begin on St. Croix, November 13th, at the D.C. Canagata Ballpark from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. On St. John on November 16th at the Cruise Bay Stand from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. And on St. Thomas, November 17th at the Emil Griffith Ballpark parking lot from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. As we continue in the news feed, we turn now to our regional report. A government agency in Jamaica found that security forces were not wearing body cameras when they fatally shot or injured more than 100 people on the Caribbean island for the first half of the year. Only one body camera was worn during the 106 incidents, including 64 killings, reported from January to June involving Jamaica's police and military. That's according to a report released last Thursday by the Independent Commission of Investigations. Security forces have killed a total of 119 people as of October 31st. Although it wasn't clear if any body cameras were worn in the cases reported from July to October. The report on shootings comes after Jamaica's government announced in April that it had distributed 400 body cameras to the constabulary force. Security forces in Jamaica have long been accused of unlawful killings and using excessive force with the commission noting that the fatal shootings have increased since 2019. There were 134 fatal shootings last year by security forces on the island of 2.8 million people. In 2021, 127 people were killed, a 10% increase compared with the previous year. That's according to the commission. Few officers tend to be charged in these cases, and Jamaica's constabulary force has long dismissed the accusations, saying officers work in dangerous areas controlled by gangs wielding numerous illegal firearms. The commission that released the report was created in 2010 to investigate allegations against the security forces. As we update the news feed, we turn now to the territory's weather forecast. Here's the latest look at the short-term forecast for the Virgin Islands. I'm meteorologist Eric Weglars. Mostly cloudy skies will continue at St. Croix this afternoon. Numerous showers are expected as well and perhaps a thunderstorm. Highs will hold in the middle to upper 80s. Winds from the southeast at 5 to 10 miles per hour. At St. Thomas and St. John, it's also mostly cloudy with showers and thunderstorms expected. Temperatures will hold in the middle to upper 80s. Winds from the southeast at between 5 and 10 miles per hour. Tonight, showers continue at St. Thomas, St. John, and St. Croix. Temperatures will fall back into the upper 70s to near 80 across the entire Virgin Islands. Winds from the east-southeast at 5 to 10 miles per hour. The plan for Wednesday at St. Croix features more showers and thunderstorms during the afternoon with temperatures only in the middle to upper 80s. Winds are a bit stronger from the east-southeast at 10 to 15 miles per hour with gusts as high as 20. And at St. Thomas and St. John will find showers and thunderstorms, especially in the afternoon. Winds are from the east at 10 to 15 
15 miles per hour with gusts as high as 20 to 25. Showers will continue on Thursday for the Virgin Islands before more sunshine as we go into the day on Friday. That's the latest look at your short-term forecast. I'm meteorologist Eric Weglars. We are at the end of today's WTJX News Feed. I'm Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Join me every weekday at 5 p.m. Be sure to download the WTJX app. And if you missed a part of our news, listen to it on demand wherever you get your podcasts.